Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And a good Sunday morning to you. Happy Easter. And happy Easter to you too, Dr. Hilden. Good morning. Good morning, Danny. Happy Easter to you. It's a kind of an unusual Easter, but to all listeners out there, those of you who are maybe wishing you could be with your families, happy Easter to everybody. Yes, we have, uh, for those listeners outside of the area, we have snow falling this Easter Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah, you know, Denny, I'm uh, I'm looking at the snowflakes that are a little bit white. They're against the dark blue of the Guthrie Theater in downtown Minneapolis. Nice uh, contrast. Those, <laughs> yeah, those of you who know downtown Minneapolis uh, know the Guthrie is a riverfront uh, structure. It's dark blue. and. I've I've uh, I've moved out of my own home for a, a week or two, <laughs> even though my own home is only four miles away. Uh, my daughter is back from Los Angeles, and since uh, Los Angeles is a bit of a hot spot, and she had to travel to get here, we're quarantining from each other for a couple oh, of very weeks. Good. So there I am. I'm staying a few blocks from the hospital, which is in, of course, downtown Minneapolis. So out of one window, I'm looking at the Guthrie. Out of the other window, I'm looking at U.S. Bank Stadium. So it's a little different uh, look for me here, but it's good to be with all of you, and I hope everybody's having a a good uh, weekend. And uh, this is another, for those just joining us, this is another open line show. I know, Doctor, as you know, we'll be uh, answering questions a lot about the virus. However, if you have other questions, other general health questions for Dr. Hilden, you can certainly call them in or uh, send a text. Same number applies, 651-989-9226. You know we tend to get busy. Uh, so call in or uh, text in your question, 651-989-9226. I know a little bit later we'll be joined uh, by another colleague of yours. That's right, Dr. Caitlin Eccles-Radke, who's, who uh, regular listeners will know has been on a couple of times before. Uh, I thought we'd ask her to be on, and she has graciously accepted even on this Easter morning. She'll call in in the 7 o'clock hour. She's an infectious disease expert. Uh, I'm a generalist. She's an expert on this stuff, and uh, she is in charge of infection prevention at uh, Hennepin at HCMC. And so uh, she'll be joining us um, in the 7 o'clock hour. So if you have a question for an infectious specialist, she's sort of our COVID uh, expert and not only that, um, she knows everything there is to know about masks and this virus and the like. And so I thought she'll be joining us at 7. So I look forward to that. Now, what about uh, this past week since we've spoken? What what has happened in your life at uh, at Hennepin? Well, this week's been really busy for me. And, and I know most people are, are home. They're doing their social distancing and, 
and getting caught up on home projects and all that. But for me, I've been in the hospital every day this week, and uh, we're starting to ramp up just a little bit. And uh, our our intensive care unit is is almost full, not not entirely, but almost with with patients, most of whom have uh, have COVID. And so we uh, we are seeing a few more cases. Although I'm very optimistic about Minnesota, I couldn't be happier to be from Minnesota than I am now. And I know there are people listening all over the country and indeed the world streaming the show. Uh, but for those, the majority of us here in the Upper Midwest. Um, we can be very, very happy, at least in the state of Minnesota, that we're dead last. We are last in the number of cases per capita in the United States. We're like 51st out of the 50 states in the District of Columbia. And that's unbelievable. Is it's unbelievable. It's, it's where you want to be last. And, yeah. and, and it's not just because we're not testing people. So we, nobody has enough tests. None of our neighboring states have tests, and I, I have good friends in healthcare systems in all of the surrounding states, both the Dakotas, Iowa, Wisconsin. The case positive rate in Iowa and in Wisconsin and in South Dakota is nearly double that of Minnesota. We're about four positives um, for every 100,000 tests. And in those neighboring states, it's almost eight or nine. Um, I'm sorry, we're about 4% of our tests are positive in the state of Minnesota. About double that are positive, around 8% in our neighboring states. So it's not that we're testing fewer. We're literally having fewer positives. And we have a very large metropolitan area in Minneapolis and St. Paul. And so despite the fact that we have a huge metropolitan area, our test positive rate is relatively low. There's really only one explanation for that. That was early social distancing and early closure of our facilities. It's so painful to people, Danny. You know, it's so painful for people to be home. There's such an economic um, disadvantage. There's economic, just absolutely awful things happen to people. But it is literally resulting in the saving of, of well, countless numbers of lives. So it's one of those trade-offs. The number of lives we're saving in the state of Minnesota, but what we're doing is incredible. And so it's hats off to everybody. And to my friends in my neighboring states, you're doing a good job too, but the social distancing is simply so important, even in rural areas of the state. And so I think there's that's sort of an Easter message around coronavirus. There's great hope for us here in the upper Midwest. There's really great hope that we're going to get through this thing and we're going to be stronger at the end. It's so good to hear. I know with a few times I do get out, which is rare. We try to kind of stay away from each other around the house, too. But when uh, there is a necessity to get groceries, let's say, I'm noticing that um, there are more people wearing masks these days. Yeah, there are. I went into a, a local downtown grocery store, um, and uh, they were doing it so correctly. I, I, I just was this happened to be a Trader Joe's, but I was really proud of the way the public and the staff were doing it. Staff had masks on. Most of the public had a mask on, and they had everybody standing six feet apart in the line to get in the store. They were limiting the number of people at one time. They were washing each cart in between people and giving wipes for people. You know, people are doing it. They're doing it. Um, uh, the, the the masks help you from spreading it to your neighbor, and so it's it's really important. We're we're wearing them even in the hallways of the hospital now. We're having 
most everybody has a mask on now, so that's encouraging as well. It feels a little weird, doesn't it? <laughs> but, it really uh, does. It's the right thing. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. If you're just joining us, this is another open line show. Your general health questions. It could be about the virus, certainly, and I know we'll get plenty of those. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six for the doctor, or send a text. Uh, and uh, the same number applies, by the way. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. I know we have to break here momentarily, doctor, but the text came in a bit ago saying, uh, "Once off the ventilator, is one cured?" Uh, good question from that texter, and the answer is generally um, yes. Cured is uh, uh, you're not out of the hospital yet, you're not out of the woods yet, um, but when you come off the ventilator, uh, you generally go to a regular hospital floor then for several more days as you regain your strength and your shortness of breath gets better. And most people, but I have to emphasize not all, most people then, once you're off the ventilator, you're doing much better. Uh, it is interesting. A ventilator does not mean you're going to survive. The unhappy part of it is that even with a ventilator, the majority of people who get that sick don't make it. And so um, uh, the ventilator is your only shot when you get that far. But for those who come off the ventilator and are breathing on their own, they're, we're discharging them from the hospital to their mm-hmm. homes. And they're surviving, and they're going on. So yes, and they'll probably not get it again. <laughs> so that's the good news for them. They are doing well. Those who uh, we discharge from the hospital. All right, very good. Let's uh, take a break as we head to this break. Please uh, call in uh, your question for the doctor or text in. Same number as I said: six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. It's an open line show on healthy matters this morning here on News Talk eight three zero WCCU. Yes, it is uh, snowing. Here in the Twin Cities, our temperature reading 33 degrees. We're in the midst of a winter weather advisory. You stay tuned to News Talk 830 WCCO. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to Healthy Matters. This is our uh, open line show today, helping you out, answering your questions by phone and by text. We already have both, Dr. Hilden, 651-989-9226 for either the phone call or uh, text messages. Would you like to go to the phones right now, Dr. Hilden? Yeah, that'd be great, Denny. All right. Judy in Stillwater has been waiting, I believe. Judy, thank you for waiting. And what is your question? Um, I, under, I understand that uh, COVID, this COVID virus multiplies uh, in, your, in your nasal passages. And so I was wondering if there'd be a protective barrier such as Vaseline that would um, be useful Judy, say once again what the protective barrier that you were suggesting. I'm Vaseline. Vaseline. Oh, Vaseline. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, There's no evidence that the Vaseline would do it because you probably couldn't, and I'm speculating here, Judy, you probably couldn't get it down low enough. You are correct that the virus is in your nasal passages, but it's also in your pharynx, the back of your throat, and it's in your airways in your neck and it's in your airways lower down in your lungs and if it gets if you get really infected it's lower in your lungs and if you're an asymptomatic carrier it's probably up higher but in any case you can't prevent it from shedding out of your airways and if you were to cough or you were to sneeze it's going to go out of your mouth anyway your idea is uh it makes some sense if you could only keep it a barrier in that would be just a lovely thing, but that's not going to be uh, 
an effective way just because it's in areas other than your nose. It does bring up the point of how it gets spread. It gets spread through the moisture from your nose and your mouth and your throat. And so that's why coughing and sneezing are so important, um, an easy way to transmit this, this thing. Um, but you can get it even talking and even breathing. Or like if I see runners and bikers along the Minneapolis parkways, they're exhaling it when they're running and biking. And, uh, and so it's, uh, it's a good idea, but I don't think it would be effective. Thanks for that call, though, Judy. It's a great yeah, idea. Thank you, Judy. 651-989-9226. Let's go to Hutchinson, Minnesota. I think Glenn is waiting there. Glenn, you're on with the doctor. Yeah, that last lady, what are the odds? She kind of touched on my question. I was wondering, in the machining world, we have, uh, like, salves and creams you can put on your hands if you're working in uh, EDM fluid and so, so forth, and that's what I was going to ask. These salves and creams, are they, they're pretty – they'll stay on even when you're working in some kind of not-so-good uh, chemical or uh, oils and such, and that's what I was going to ask the doctor. How about just – Putting like a hand lotions on and stuff like that. How does that? Uh, how, what would you say as far as does it kill it or would it stop it? And then here, lo and behold, that last lady asked the same type question. You have a good day, you guys. Thank you. You have you have a great day as well. Maybe it's because great minds think alike, whether they're calling from Stillwater or whether they're calling from Hutchinson, <laughs> Glenn. It's an interesting idea, um, and I. Uh, it is funny. Um, every time I want to know something about how to put a barrier protection for the human body, like on the hands or something, it's usually somebody from the machining world or somebody who knows that kind of stuff. They usually have some product they use. It would probably not pr- uh, protect against this virus, however. It's an interesting idea, but um, uh, the, the, the virus doesn't live all that long on your hands and on your skin it does live many hours but it doesn't live forever on your hands um and so it wouldn't probably work for that and and like i was saying before you just can't coat your entire nasopharynx or your oropharynx your nose your throat your mouth it's all in all of that and so i just don't think you could probably do that that's why the when a person wears a homemade mask walking around your community the whole idea of that is that when you do expel this virus in your breath or your cough or your sneeze, you're coughing it into your own mask. And so it, it only goes a few inches or a foot away from your body, whereas if you cough or sneeze, it's going six or eight or ten feet away. And, and so that's the point of the mask. That's the best barrier I think we can come up with uh, in this day. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. So this is an open line show this morning. We promised, as you know, Doctor, other questions we can answer too, besides uh, the virus question. Here's a blood pressure uh, question, and then I know we have to take a break here in about two or three minutes. Uh, texture says this: I have high blood pressure. I take Losartan, fifty milligrams, three times a day. I believe they're spelling it as the uh, the uh, uh, water pill. Uh, 50 milligrams three times a day, and Lasix 20 milligrams a day, and my blood pressure is still up high, 140s to 170s over 80s. Uh, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I'm not overweight. Any suggestions? Yeah, the, for that texture, the, when your blood pressure, your blood pressure goals are less than for everybody, 140 over 90. So this person isn't all that bad. Although that goal is actually a little too permissive for most people, uh, we'd love it to be less than 130 over um, 80 
or even 120 over 80. But especially in some older adults, we allow it to be a teeny bit higher. So your blood pressure isn't terrible if it's in the 140s, but it could be better. And so the losartan is a good drug to continue taking. Um, uh, I would simply, and, and the water pill you're on may or may not be the most effective blood pressure medicine. You might be taking it for some other reason as well. But I would probably go to your doctor or in this day and age do a telephone visit with your doctor and see if they might want to add a different medication. Not replace the ones you're on, but add a new one. Most people who had well-controlled blood pressure on one blood pressure medicine have to add a second or even a third as you get a little bit older. It's extremely common to have to keep adding blood pressure medicine. So that's what I would recommend for that uh, um, that person. I don't know if you've heard uh, this at all, but a texter said they have heard that people in China, Korea area, who have had the virus uh, and recovered are getting it again. Have you heard anything like that? I haven't heard anything definitive, so I shouldn't speak out of school here. Uh, It is possible to get uh, it again, but we don't really know in general. um, You don't get something you've been immune to once, but there's a lot of different strains of this thing. So it's possible that people could get sick again, but I just, there's no real evidence one way or the other. We think you probably have immunity, but we're not sure of that. Um, We simply don't know. Just a reminder to our listeners that we we have another hour of the show coming up. And if you have a question for the doctor, again, you can call it in or you can text it in, 651-989-9226. I know we have to take a break here in about a minute, but for those just joining us, uh, who's going to be joining us in the coming hour? Yeah, Denny, um, in, in, uh, at 7.05, roughly, when we come back on, we're going to have Dr. Caitlin Eccles-Radke, who is an infectious disease expert. In the meantime, uh, I encourage you to go uh, to the blog site that I write. I'm doing a little diary. That's at myhealthymatters.org. Every few days, I put up just a little two-minute read about what's going on in my life at the hospital. That's at myhealthymatters.org. And we'll be back after the top of the hour with Dr. Caitlin Eccles-Radke. Very good. Again, uh, we have another hour coming up. If you want to call in your question or if it's easier for you to send in a text on this Easter Sunday morning, by all means, it's the same number, 651-989-9226, 651-989-9226. Uh, 33 is our current Twin City temperature reading I mentioned earlier, at least here in the Twin Cities and other parts of CCL and a winter weather advisory. Uh, how much snow, daytime snow, maybe three to five inches today here in the uh, Twin Cities area. Light snow and uh, fog and mist uh, right now. Our current Twin City temperature reading is at uh, uh, 33, 33 degrees here on News Talk Gate 3. And good morning. Welcome back to this portion of Healthy Matters, our extended version on this Easter Sunday morning. Dr. David Hilden answering your questions either by phone and by text. And I know we're going to get underway, and we have a, a special guest coming along, but a couple of things you wanted to mention before we do pick up on calls and texts. Absolutely, Daddy. Good morning, everybody. If you're just joining us, happy Easter. Uh, I hope you find a little bit of uh, time to be at least virtually with your family today. Uh, it's a snowy day in the upper Midwest, so maybe being at home isn't going to be so bad for today. Daddy, uh, I, I was going to um, just give a shout out to a few people today. I, uh, I I'm I'm working in the hospital, and so I'm walking I'm walking in the hospital hallways every single day. And you know, everybody looks alike now, which is kind of funny. You know, we all have scrubs on, 
everybody's got a face mask on. Many people also have a face shield on, and a lot of people even have those kind of medical hairnets on. So kind of everybody looks alike, and so all we have is our eyes. And as I've been walking through the hallways, three different registered nurses in our hospital, three different nurses stopped me and said that their family members uh, are, are listeners of the show, and uh, they'll be listening today. So I thought I would just give a shout-out to the family members, the parents and grandparents of three nurses at the hospital. Uh, the first one is uh, Lisa and Jose Villegas. Lisa and Jose's daughter works in our um, cardiac medical intermediate care unit. And then Rochelle Graham, their daughter also works, or her daughter also works, in our cardiac medical intermediate care unit. So, Rochelle, um, thank you for listening, as well as you, Lisa and Jose. And then um, Isla Ray lives in Rosemount. I don't know her last name, but her daughter works in our surgical trauma unit. And so I saw, or no, I think that's her granddaughter. So all three of those family members of nurses at Hennepin, you should know that your family members are indeed heroes. The nurses of the hospital are the they're the beating heart of the hospital, and they are the ones who are right there on the front lines. I get to work with them, and they are simply true professionals. So you should be so proud of your family members. And then lastly, we have a longtime Healthy Matters listener named Jeanette. Jeanette lives in, I think it's South St. Paul. I first met Jeanette at the state fair at about 10 years ago when her son Glenn wheeled her up to the WCCO booth in her wheelchair. And I've got to know uh, Jeanette over the years, as have my parents. Um, They've got to know Glenn and Jeanette. Well, Jeanette's not doing so well. She's in a facility um, in the South Metro there, and she's uh, her health is failing. But Jeanette, if you are listening today, I want you to know that we're thinking of you. Uh, your Healthy Matters family is thinking of you, and uh, and you are in our thoughts, and you are definitely in our prayers today, Jeanette. So thank you for being such a good friend to the show, and I hope you're doing okay this Easter morning. So it's just a few shout-outs to some Healthy Matters listenings, and happy Easter to everybody, including uh, those folks there. Um, now we have uh, our guest, Dr. Caitlin Eccles-Radke, is on a different phone line. Dr. Eccles-Radke is our medical director of infection prevention, which is a position that exists well before this virus. We didn't just make it up now. Every hospital has such a person. But did that job be just skyrocketed in terms of importance at the hospital? And so she has been part of our hospital's incident command structure for weeks and weeks and weeks now, and um, she's an infectious disease doctor, and she would be one of the hardest working doctors at the hospital. So she has agreed to get up bright and early and call us in by phone and help me answer your health questions. So I'm not in the same room as her, but Caitlin, I hope you're on the line, and thanks for being on the show. Good morning, Dave. Um, I am. I'm happy to be here. Happy Easter and Passover to everyone this week, and I will second your shout out to all the nurses and their family members at the hospital. They are really pretty incredible. Yeah, they are. Um, uh, it's just um, yeah, people don't know how um, anxiety-producing this whole thing is. It's anxiety-producing for everybody. But but imagine being a nurse um, at the front lines of this thing. I don't even like the word front lines. It's too militaristic, but it's kind of the truth in this case. And I look at them, and you look at the nurses in the eyes, 
and they looked at they they just they're so caring and they they courageously put on their PPE and they walk into these patients rooms to do their jobs and truly um I just can't say enough about nurses not just nurses in the hospital at Hennepin but nurses everywhere they they're the true uh, heroes of healthcare are you having a good week in the hospital Caitlin yeah, it's been busy. That's for sure. Uh, there's always a new challenge in things, but you know that's what we're here for. So we're happy to do it, and you know everybody's working hard together. So I really appreciate that. Well, Denny, we're we're ready to take some texts or some phone calls from listeners. Um, both Dr. Eccles Radke and I are on the lines and ready to go. Very good. We have callers. We have texters as well. 651-989-9226. That's for either a phone call or your text messages. Now let's go first to Pete in Robbinsdale. I believe Pete is on the line. Pete, you're on with the doctors. Yes. Good morning. I'd like to ask the doctors, how does this uh, pandemic end? I, I I can't get my mind around the fact that we're doing well because we're hiding in our caves. But as soon as we come out of our caves, all it takes is one person to start the reaction again. How how can we do it without a vaccine? That's a great that's a great question, um, Pete. I'll just give a comment, and I'm going to turn most of these questions over to to Caitlin. Um, I think that's a really good question. How do we re-enter society? It's not just like it's miraculously going to be gone May fourth, is it? Caitlin, what do you what what would you say to Pete? You know, there's a couple things that I think are going to help us. He mentioned a vaccine, but that's a ways out. So, you know, we're thinking a little bit more short term right now as to how things are going. And I think what what will happen is the whole goal of keeping people at home is to we know that there's still going to be infections and people are going to get sick, but we want to be able to take care of them in the hospital and not have too many people sick at once. And so part of what I think should or may happen is that um, – The governor will start to lift restrictions little by little for certain groups of people. And we know that people will still get sick. But again, we want to have the capacity, the equipment, the ventilators, the PPE to take care of these people. I think the other thing that's going to help us um, and and what the stay at home has bought us time to do um, is build up our testing. And so we are kind of more and more working with different uh, lab companies to build up our testing. Because if we can know who's positive and who's negative, it's a lot easier to quickly quarantine people who are sick and keep healthy people away. And then the second thing um, from a lab standpoint is there's a lot of development going on around what we call serology or antibody testing. And what that is, is it tells people if they have antibodies, to the virus because they've been sick from it or they've seen it and maybe didn't know. And and what we're learning more and more in the near future is going to be around, are those antibodies protective in people? And if they are, you know, some of those people who have already been sick can potentially reenter real life, if you will, um, moving forward. So I think there's a lot of things we're learning in time with this stay-at-home order that hopefully will allow us the ability to slowly get back to normal life rather than being quarantined for months and months and months. Caitlin, I, um, I went and I saw one of our colleagues at, uh, who works for Hennepin Healthcare. I saw this person in the hospital and somebody who happened to be positive and has, has recovered and has cleared the virus. And I told this person, I want to stand in line to get your serum. I want your antibodies. <laughs> so uh, I think the antibody testing 
is going to be, I think it's going to be a really a, a, a helpful tool in the not too distant future, hopefully yet this summer or, or even later this spring. And then not only that, there is some chance that the antibodies could be a treatment if you got someone else's antibodies. So that's kind of an interesting, uh, that's an interesting development that the stay at home and this slowing of things down allows us to do all those things. Um, Denny, I believe we have, we're coming up against a break here. Is that, is that the case? Yes, it is a real fast break. And then, again, we'll be back with with more Healthy Matters. Call in your question or text it. We have a bunch of both, and we'll get to it when we do come back. Uh, 651-989-9226. Again, uh, there's a winter weather advisory for the Twin Cities today. It looks like maybe three to five inches of new accumulation today. You stay tuned to News Talk 830 WCCO. It's 33 degrees with light snow, fog, and mist, and we'll be back. And good morning. Welcome back to Healthy Matters, another open line show today for your questions for the doctors. 651-989-9226. Doctors, we have a bunch of calls and many text messages as well. Uh, I'll tell you what, let's let's pick up on some phone calls. These folks have been waiting a bit. Uh, Jeanette is calling from Richfield, I believe. Jeanette, you're on with the doctors. Hello? Go ahead, Jeanette. It's Janet. But oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no problem. Um, we have a, um, a scheduled remodel for our bathroom, and we have two daughters that are 23 and 21 living at home, and they are adamant that we shouldn't do it. We should put it off. Um, I mean, it's not something that has to be done. We don't have issues, you know, with our plumbing or anything, but... Um, I'm just wondering what the doctor's opinion is on this, trying to get different uh, opinions to see what we should do. It should take up like two to three weeks for it, so it's not just an in-and-out thing. Hi, this is Dr. Eccles Radkian. Um, I would say if it, if it isn't something urgent, um, you know, it may be worth waiting. It's, it's a really hard balance between wanting to obviously – get your work done, employ people who are doing the work. Um, and what I would probably recommend is following the governor's, uh, you know, list of people who are essential to work. And in there, those people in that business doing the construction should also be following that. So, um, you know, everyone has to make their individual decisions, but that's where I'd probably recommend people going to look to see who's essential or not. Caitlin, I had a question about that because I've been asked similar things to what Janet has. Um, what if they moved out? <laughs> what if Janet and her family moved out for a few weeks? Because I agree that probably I wouldn't have people coming and going from my home right now if I were in there. You know, I think if, if you're not living there and you're living in a safe kind of isolated quarantine space away from the employees, um, then, of course, the the worry would be just for them with each other and sort of what their situations are at home and coming together. And so for you, I think it would be safe if you were to move out and you could get your, your work done on your house. But um, but the question then would be for those employees and what their situations are. 651-989-9226. We're getting uh, questions, and understandably so, about wearing masks because uh, this particular texter is, is rather confused. He or she is saying, well, some people say forget about masks, and some people say definitely masks. What's, what's, uh, what are your opinions? 
I think there's a couple situations. You know, obviously in the healthcare world, we say for sure wear masks. Um, but in the community and from day to day, you know, in the past, people said, you know, it's probably not needed. And then with with more data and literature coming out, the CDC, well, last week or so, I'm trying to remember exactly when, um, actually did recommend that people wear masks when they go out in public. And it's not always necessarily to protect you, but to protect others from you. So anyone who has a little cough or a sniffle or or whatnot, you know, by you wearing a mask, it helps contain that um, to protect others. So if everyone's doing that, it's just a lot safer. Sure. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Anne is calling from Chaska, I believe. Anne, you're on CCO. Oh, hi there. Thank you. Um, question about COVID. Uh, once someone uh, is hospitalized, um, are doctors in the hospitals in Minnesota treating with anti-inflammatory type therapies? Um, uh, I guess, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, but basically instead of looking at just as respiratory failure, uh, but just an overreaction of the immune uh, response. Um, I guess that's my question. Uh, that's a great question. There's a handful of different types of treatments um, being looked at right now in studies and anecdotal use, et cetera. One is an antiviral called remdesivir. Um, there's a drug that's normally used to treat things like lupus or rheumatoid arthritis called hydroxychloroquine. And then to answer your question um, about the sort of inflammatory response, um, there's, there are some what we call anti-IL-6 drugs, and, and um, all of those are being looked at in different situations for different patients based on how sick they are and what their chest x-ray looks like and, and that. Um, we just don't have anything, unfortunately, proven yet. So a lot of doctors and hospitals are coming up with algorithms and, you know, looking to other places in the world and in the country who have done some of this and seen what their experiences are um, and really working hard to figure out what truly works and what may be hearsay. I'll jump in. This is David again. Um, at Hennepin, we're doing a clinical trial, just started last week on remdesivir. That was a drug that was developed for well, it was thought to be promising in Ebola, actually, and it did have some promise um, in the laboratory against earlier coronaviruses, the SARS and the MERS one, but it wasn't proven to help in, uh, in people. But that's got at least, at least it has theoretical benefit, although nothing's proven. And then I agree completely with Dr. Eccles-Radke. All the other ones, you know, it, it's not that we're sure they don't work, but we're we don't have any evidence that they do. So hydroxychloroquine would be among those um, as well. And so some some people who take those for things like lupus, they're worried about not being able to get any because of people trying to take it for this. So more research to come on those. That's a really good question, Anne, and I think that you're going to see a lot more coming out on those in the coming months. Related to, to that uh, medication you just mentioned, uh, Texter says, they take it for rheumatoid arthritis. I've heard, Texter says, due to the shortage as people are rationing, what is the effect of taking less than prescribed? Caitlin, are you able to answer that one? My, my, I'll just give my comment. Um, uh, if you take your hydroxychloroquine, it goes under the brand name Plaquenil. 
If you take that for lupus or rheumatoid arthritis, please continue to take it at your normal doses and call your doctor early to get refills because you need it. It is proven to work for you. And so uh, call your doctor to get your refills early. One of the um, unintended side effects of all of the hype about those drugs for COVID is some concerns about lack of enough of it out there for others. But I would I would never recommend you take less than your prescribed dose. I don't know if, Caitlin, if you have anything to add about that. Yeah, I agree 100%. And it's worth talking to your primary care doctor and your rheumatologist about other options, maybe not a lesser dose, but is there another drug or something in the meantime that would be good for you? But I agree. I would recommend taking it as prescribed and talking to your provider. Very good. Let's take our usual break at this time, inviting our listeners to stay with us and join us. If you have a question, 651-989-9226. That's for both phone call and text messages. We'll be back with more Healthy Matters. We'll have a look at that forecast coming up next on News Talk 830 WCCO. And good morning. Welcome back to this portion of Healthy Matters. If you have uh, any particular question, uh, and of course we we're talking a lot about the virus this morning, as usual, 651-989-9226, and uh, that's for both your phone calls and text messages. And Dr. Hilda, for those who may be joining us a little bit late, who did you bring with you today? Thank you, Denny, and good morning, everybody. If you are just joining us, happy Easter, a blessed holiday to you. If you are uh, in the midst of the uh Eight days of Passover, uh, a blessed on time with your family to you as well. I know those holidays uh, overlap. Um, We're talking today um, about whatever you'd like, but mostly the coronavirus, because that's on people's minds, understandably. Uh, um, to help me out with that, I have Dr. Caitlin Echols-Racky from our Infectious Disease uh, Department, and she's been a colleague of mine for some years now, and she's graciously been one of my go-to people for uh, during this virus because she has got her hands in the middle of it, literally. I just want to give one more shout-out to the family members of our nurses um, who have been listening. In case you didn't hear, I want to make sure that Lisa and Jose, Rochelle, and Ailey um, Ray, they are parents and grandparents of our nurses. I just want to make a family connection. Your daughters and granddaughters all happen to be women. Our nurses I saw this week, and they are um, proud of you, and I hope you're proud of them. And I also want uh, one more time before uh, the in this half of the show, say a shout-out to Jeanette, one of our longest-term listeners. Jeanette lives in South St. Paul. And she's not feeling so well as of late, and she hasn't been able to get out. So I just want to make sure that, Jeanette, you are in our thoughts as well, and Glenn, your son, as well. So with that, Danny, let's go back to the phones and the texts. Very good. We have many. Uh, Jim, I believe, is still waiting there in Blaine to ask a question. Jim, go ahead. Thank you. Good morning, and thanks for all your wonderful work, and happy Easter. Um, I'll preface this with 20 years ago, I had gastric bypass surgery that worked well for weight loss, so my insides are a little different. But four weeks ago, I ended up going to the hospital emergency room three separate times. for It came on all of a sudden intense gas pain, and they did CAT scans, seen nothing, I had the lower back pain like you wouldn't believe, night sweats, but no cough, no trouble breathing. Is there any chance that this coronavirus just stayed in my intestinal tract? Because now all symptoms are gone before any of my tests could be done. Caitlin, I'll let you take that. 
Sounds good. Um, I'm sorry to hear you were feeling sick, and I'm glad you're feeling better these days. Um, we do know that some people have gastrointestinal involvement with coronavirus, um, but it's usually coupled with, with other things, you know, and you had mentioned some other things like fever, um, pain, et cetera. It's really hard to know, and I think what's really important to remember, too, is all of the other medical ailments that people we're getting pre-coronavirus, haven't stopped post-coronavirus. And so I think you did the right thing by, if you weren't feeling good, by going in, getting checked out, getting worked up. Um, and it's really hard without a test. I'm not sure if you got tested for coronavirus, but it's really hard without a test to know for sure. Um, and this is where, you know, we talked previously about these antibody tests. And maybe down the road it might be uh, interesting to have you do those antibody tests when they're up and running just to see if you had been exposed. But I think the most important thing is that it sounds like you're doing a lot better. 651-989-9226 is our phone number. A texter, and uh, I know, uh, doctors, you can relate to this, about uh, runners and walkers. Texter says, I see two to three or more together, but not six feet apart. What's the risk there? You know, there's been some stuff coming out around people running and biking and walking and things together. And, um, you know, I think there's sort of some mixed opinions and mixed data at this point. I think in general, if you're running with someone or walking with someone who is part of your what, what I call your quarantine family, if you've been at home anyways with them, I think that's appropriate. I think still otherwise maintaining six feet of social distancing from other people is appropriate. And, you know, maybe just taking sort of areas less traveled, you know, a lot of the bike paths and lake paths and things are pretty busy these days. So maybe think about, you know, just doing your running, your walking, et cetera, in areas that are, you know, neighborhoods that are less busy, you know, go exploring some new, new routes and things. Cause I think we just don't know enough yet about sort of that running and walking um, risk. Caitlin, did you see that research that came out? It's it's actually rather disgusting. Um, they do it for Olympic athletes and the like to see how their breathing's going. And people who are running and biking have, I guess, what they're calling the slipstream. That you have a like a trail behind you of the moisture from your mouth because you're expelling it so much when you're running or biking. And so that the, you might not want to be six feet behind a runner. Uh, you might want to be. 20 feet behind him. Have you seen any of that? Is that a real thing? This should be, maybe should stay even farther away from people who are running. You know, I, I have seen some of that and um, I'd be curious to actually see, you know, I've seen sort of anecdotal stuff and in, in articles online, but I'd like to really actually see the research behind it. Cause you're right. Some of the stuff people are saying is, you know, don't stay six feet behind someone. It's actually safer to be next to them because of that sort of trail of air or whatever you want to call it behind them. So I think we just need to, I think we need to learn more. I, I don't know the answer to it, to be honest. All right, let's get back to the phones, if you will. Uh, Brian in Minneapolis has been waiting to ask a question. Brian, thank you. What is your question? Um, it's a different world, but people refer to the Spanish flu of 1918. And did, can we learn anything from that or from typhoid fever? I, th I think, um, yeah, I mean, I think in some ways we can, for sure, um, in terms of, you know, all of the hygiene and things we've learned over the years. We're living in a really different era, though, with technology and science and things that we didn't have back then. So I think this puts this into a whole new box in terms of 
how we're learning things, what we're learning, how we share information, et cetera. Um, but I think we can always learn from things that have happened in the past. And I'll, I'll be really curious as we're coming through this to see sort of what we learned moving forward. Again, 651-989-9226 is for the phone call and text message this morning. Uh, I tell you what, let's grab another phone call. I think Tom and Hamill has been waiting quite a while there. Tom, thank you. What is uh, your question? Yeah, uh, Dr. David, Dr. Caitlin, really quick. We talked about uh, ventilation and people on ventilators, and uh, once you get on one of those, you're pretty much gone, like 86 90%. You're not going to recover because the disease is so bad of COVID-19. But yet, on the same token, um, we have Abbott Labs tests with the M2000 machine that could maybe catch it within the first five to 15 minutes to tell you if you're positive. So we got two sides of the spectrum there. And then, yes, kind of we're familiar with the hydroxychloroquine and the azithromycin plus zinc. Now, in the middle there, even though it's not being tested or as an effective treatment, there are those off-label uses that seem. Is Hennepin Tech or you, Caitlin, or Dr. Uh, Dave, with your family members, whoever, if they're on a ventilator or if they're caught by an Abbott lab that says they're positive, would you kind of recommend hydroxychloroquine with um, azithromycin and zinc to at least quell it off? Thanks, Tom. I'll start then let uh, Dr. Eccles-Radke comment about the ventilator. It is true, and I think what people do need to know that a ventilator is not a certainty that people who are very ill will survive. Um, but without one, you're almost certainly not going to if you get to that point. And we should remember that the vast majority of people have a mild or moderate illness and never get to the point of needing a ventilator. But that is a good point, that that is the severe end of the spectrum, particularly for older adults. I'm going to let uh, Dr. Eccles-Racky talk about the, the medications, but you should, everybody should be crystal clear that azithromycin is an antibiotic. It is not a viral treatment. Um, uh, there is some hope about some other things, but uh, none of it's proven. Caitlin, do you want to respond a little bit more to those medication questions? Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to. Um, there has been, as you mentioned, a lot of press about the hydroxychloroquine plus azithromycin or hydroxychloroquine alone. Um, and I think some of the question around azithromycin is, even though it's an antibiotic and the coronavirus is a virus, um, you know, is there an anti-inflammatory property to it that could be helping? But really, we have nothing that has proven this. Um, and again, the hydroxychloroquine should only be used in specific um, you know, medical decision-making. So asking your doctor to prescribe it for you without indication just to have it on hand, I would not recommend. Um, and then zinc and some of these other things I've seen, like vitamin C, et cetera, um, really just don't hold any weight at this point in terms of any, any medical data. Uh, what we're doing at Hennepin County is we have um, we have a team of, of doctors who have helped. You know, I'm doing more of the administrative uh, infection prevention work, but we have a team of other infectious disease, hospitalists, ICU doctors who have put together sort of a treatment algorithm, um, looking at all these medicines and keeping up to date with, you know, every new piece of literature research data um, to make sure that we're constantly reevaluating and treating people as best we can with what we know works. Um, but as of now, none of those have been proven. 
All right, I'll tell you what, we need to take a, a quick break here, but again, inviting our listeners to stay with us and join us either by phone or by text 651-989-9226. As we head to this quick break, a reminder that we here in the Twin Cities and surrounding areas of CCO land in the midst of a winter weather advisory here in the metro Twin Cities, maybe the total daytime snow accumulation, three to five inches possible this Easter Sunday, and we could pick up another inch or so overnight. Going to be a windy day today, tonight, and tomorrow as well. The uh, high tomorrow, near 39. Again, another windy day. Right now, light snow is falling. Twin City temperature reading 33 degrees. We'll be right back here on News Talk 830 WCCO. And welcome back to Healthy Matters this Easter Sunday morning. We have callers, we have texters, doctors, and uh, probably could go on for more. As a matter of fact, let me mention, too, uh, I just learned, uh, Dr. Hilden, you'll be uh, on with uh, Paul Douglas later on this morning, right? Indeed, I'll do another, uh, just a, a couple of segments from the 9 to 9.30 hour, and then I think they're going to broadcast a beautiful uh, Easter Sunday church service following that. So I am going to talk to the listeners just a little bit more in the 9 o'clock hour. Very good. In the meantime, we have callers of our own and texters as well. Let's uh, let's get back to the phones. I think Bill in St. Paul is still waiting. Bill, are you there? I am here. What's your question, please? I just have some information for Dr. David. Um, I just caught the last part of your program last week, and I am out of breath real easy. I can barely make it around one block, and we've walked for a long time. And uh, uh, last week you mentioned for out of breath that you could have fluid in the lungs. And this week I went into an urgent care had an x-ray taken, and they confirmed that it probably wasn't fluid in the lung, outside the lung, in the chest cavity. So I have an appointment tomorrow to uh, for a pulmonary occlusion, and hopefully, but I just wanted to call and thank you for getting me on the right track. Bill, thank you for your call. It goes to show that that the human condition carries on even in COVID. And if you aren't breathing well, um, it's a good idea to have that checked out. It may or may not be this COVID thing, but it was a good thing that you got it checked. And, Bill, I'm so glad that you were able to do that, and you have my best wishes as you you get that whole thing figured out. And I hope you're feeling better real soon. Thank you so much for checking in with us. Before we grab some more text messages, I think uh, Patty in Minneapolis is still on the uh, line. Patty, are you still with us this morning? Hello, Patty. Patty must be gone. Uh, somebody, a texter says, and boy, we have a bunch of these. Please talk again about all symptoms of coronavirus because now allergy season, uh, people may be confused between the two. That That is true. You know, there are some things that overlap for different conditions like allergies and coronavirus. Um, in general, coronavirus often manifests with things like fever and chills, um, cough, sore throat, trouble breathing. Also can have body aches, just like you think about with the flu. Some people will get some diarrhea and some uh, gastrointestinal symptoms. And then one sort of odd one that we sometimes see is loss of taste and smell um, due to how it affects um, in the nose and even potentially in the brain. And so, 
you may not have all of those symptoms. You may have a few of them. Um, oh, and I forgot to mention headache as well. Like a bad headache is one thing that people will often see. But it's, it is a little hard to distinguish between allergies and coronavirus. So if you're having any sort of symptoms, I would say, you know, stay home, stay away from people, and just see if anything else progresses. If it really is just sort of your normal allergy symptoms and it persists and nothing has changed, you're probably okay. It's probably nothing. But just to know to keep an eye on that and stay away from others while you're sorting that out. In uh, Texture says this, let me quote it. In other countries, your temperature is taken before going into public buildings and areas. Why are we not doing that? You know, that's a, that's a tough one. It's something we thought about at the hospital, too, as we screen employees who are coming in the front door. And we actually are not checking their temperatures because um, initially everyone thought that people all had a fever or chills with coronavirus. But what we found is that's not always the case. There are some people who have the disease and, and don't get fevers from it, interestingly. So, um, so the question is, is how reliable is a temperature check at one point? And the answer is we're not sure. We're not sure it is super reliable. So that's why we're not doing it, at least at the hospital. I can't speak for other places. We have a few texts about people scheduled for various exams, one a colonoscopy, another a regular glaucoma test. Do you recommend or would you recommend they cancel those for a while? What, what is, what's happening with people who are you know, scheduled to undergo these various tests? I think it depends on the reason for why someone's scheduled. So what we're recommending at Hennepin Healthcare is that if you have an elective procedure, so this is, let's say this is your 10-year colonoscopy, you have no symptoms, you're feeling fine, it's just a screening test, then I would just forgo that for now and reschedule it down the road and things sort of pick back up. If you're getting a colonoscopy because you're having some sort of symptoms or you're ill or you they're following something from, you know, a polyp or a colon cancer standpoint, then for sure you should go in. But I really think um, in general, talking to your doctor and your clinic about the reason behind the procedure and is it necessary right now or can it wait um, is the most important thing. We have about a minute or so to go, doctors. So let, let me grab this one last text in quickly. Uh, with the governor talking about the ability to increase ICU beds during the pandemic, how does the medical community plan on staffing the increased ICU beds? Maybe I could take that one. We have a surge plan in the hospital, and we talk to all the other big hospital systems in the state of Minnesota. So we're actually as coordinated as you could possibly be. Uh, we have an incident command system. We have a plan for increasing the physical space of our beds. We have a plan for ventilators, and we even have a plan for calling in nurses and doctors. So I could, I'm actually quite confident that we are ready to go in that. It's a good text, but in at least in the state of Minnesota, the coordination in our state, the governor's leadership, I have to say, has been superb. We're kind of ready to go in the state of Minnesota. And I know we're running out of time, Denny. I just want to say that when you work with me at the hospital like Dr. Eccles, right, sometimes you get called in on an Easter morning. <laughs> And, and so um, they are my friends and my colleagues and experts. I just want to say publicly to thank you for, Caitlin, I owe you dinner at some point for getting up and helping <laughs> us out on the show. Oh, happy to help. And I'll take you up on that dinner. All right. Thank you both. We'll have be back with more Healthy Matters next week here on News Talk 830 WCCO. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 